Eat Sleep Rock presents Free as a Bird, a tribute to the music of Leonard Skinner. At the basement this Thursday, July 20th at 9 p.m., starring Hippies and Cowboys, Grace Bowers, Garden of Eden, and many more. Be there or be square. It's pronounced Leonard Skinner. Dusty, Dustin McKee, yeah, Dust Bunny, yeah. How are you, bud? I'm good. I'm great. You're doing good. Having a good time. Yeah. What is this show you guys got coming up that the reveal has coming up? Tell me all about it. We got the East Side Bowl at July 28th, I believe, and we're playing with uh, True Villains is opening up, and then we got Seven Year Witch. They're uh, from the Charleston area, I think, Greensville, maybe. Greenville, Greensville, not sure. Uh, and then we got Naked Gypsy Queens after us. I'm real excited about it. I'm, I'm a little intimidated, honestly. I I booked the lineup and then looked at it and was like, oh, I'm going to have to practice. I'm going to have to work on this one, you know. Um, but, yeah, man, uh, it's a 600-cap venue, so that's going to be pretty bowl. cool. Yeah, yeah, it's a bowling alley. Pretty pumped, man. It's our first show that we've had in probably a year. Because you guys have been moonlighting on Broadway mostly to finish up the album. Yeah, yeah. We've been funding our album with with Broadway gigs and um, just kind of concentrating on making as much money to fund our future as possible. And uh, other than that, we've just been releasing side projects for the last year, just old stuff from the vault just to, you know, stay relevant or whatever you want to call it. But it's been cool. I felt like, you know, I'm still an artist, but I just haven't really been releasing or performing what I would consider my actual primary art. So it's going to be awesome because I feel like this show is me finally getting back to who I am and who I want to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, you guys have been showing me the the album as you've been working on it and playing me mixes yeah. and um, you're going to be doing a lot of new stuff. Even yeah. on stage, yeah. production, like, value-wise. Right, and that's that's where we're at right now. I was actually at practice earlier. Um, so we basically took songs that we already had, and we wanted to see what producers had to say. We kind of wanted to just learn, and I would say most of funding the album with the producers was more like going to college and just kind of learning how different producers do different things. And um, now that we've put all this production and we've kind of rewritten a lot of the choruses and some of the song structures... We pretty much have to learn our entire set all over again. It's a new set, but it's it's old song, you know, formulas. But we kind of reformatted everything. So working it's, with the it's producers, now. yeah. And a lot of it wasn't necessarily them. It's not that we went in there and the producers were like, "You guys suck. You need to change." Was, we just all put our heads together. We were honest. Like, is this the best that the song can be? I've been playing those songs for a while now, so I just don't really care anymore. I'm fulfilled on all of those songs. I've played them enough. Where it's like, okay, you know, let's see what we can do with, you know, we've got a really cool verse, but maybe the chorus isn't there. Let's rewrite a new chorus or let's reshape the, the song format or, you know, whatever we got to do. And we pretty much almost rewrote every single song that we've been playing to the point where they're kind of new now, I mm -hmm. guess. So we're working on, you know, 
setting up pedals and effects and production. Ian's got like a, a drum machine that he's thrown on his drum set. And what kind of drum machine? Uh, I think it's an Akai. Uh, it's six pads, and then it's got like three pads up at the top. And then okay. It's, it's got uh, plugins for two pedals. So we're trying to figure out the the coolest ways that we can incorporate that maintaining him as an actual drummer playing drums and then finding really cool ways to kind of bring use the, the triggers and sure yeah yeah so we're doing that and i i got the dusty bot 5000 it's my uh new custom mic stand i got two microphones on it and uh just a bunch of effects pedals trying to work that into the set trying to work all the guitar effects and josh for some of these songs josh would record two or three guitars but he's just one guy with one guitar so we're figuring out like how are we going to do that how are we going to make this sound how are we going to do this are we going to trigger this we're not playing any tracks because i don't i don't do that i don't like yeah. that uh not, not that i have anything against it it's just i don't want to do that plus you got to like stick to a metronome you got to wear your ears and everything i just don't want to do that so yeah we're pretty much using samples and just really stepping into the future of this the way things are now by also we're maintaining the rock and roll integrity of of a three-piece rock band with drums, guitar, and bass, but we're trying to figure out ways to kind of um, emulate some of the energy that you get at like an EDM club or like a hip-hop concert or something like that. What's on your pedal board now? Oh, man. Because you've never really been a player that's had no. a pedal board. We've kind of been similar in that yeah, way, but you started I, uh, expanding. I plug in and I play most of the time, and I don't really worry about stuff like that. I've always wanted a fuzz. My problem is, is every time I use a fuzz, I feel like it sounds awesome by myself, and then I add the band, and it's not the best. Uh, but right now, I'm working with uh, the tuner, of course. i got a volume pedal. I have uh, fuzz. Um, I've got a delay and an octave. But what and a what kind for each of those? Like, what kind of fuzz are you uh, using? As far as the fuzz, I've been through a couple, but we actually found like the Boss ODB three. It's just like a stock standard. The, the Kokomo Special. I, yeah, yeah, the Kokomo <laughs> Special. Uh, I'm using that right now, and that's probably the best one I found. I'm 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 still figuring out how to make it like work with the music. Um, we we got to work on our PA system right now too. Uh, and then my dad got me a uh, I think it's called the Bass Drone. It's a chorus pedal. It's a little purple thing. That one's pretty cool. I think that there's room for that one. I've I've got this real old delay. It's the Echo Rec, um, and that's that's been pretty fun. That's got some cool stuff. And I've I've been using that one in the fuzz for a while, and uh, then I've got like it's just a standard octave pedal. I forget what it is. It's like a Pog or something. Uh, I don't think so. It's more of the like solid color, like standard, like probably Boss. Or, oh, like, okay. One of those. You know what I mean. Um, but I'm still not sure how I'm going to use all of it or some of them I, I might find out like, I don't need this. I'm not. Yeah. But you well, know. you're in the trial and, and era phase right now. You're figuring out what right. you need. And then when you actually play the show, you're going to yeah. be like, I, I don't want to fuck with that. And it's weird because we didn't write these songs with the pedals. We wrote the songs, then we produced them, then we found the effects, and now it's like I'm trying to find the recreate. I'm trying. Yeah. I'm trying to recreate it with, with whatever gear that I can find. Because uh, I can't run everything through a computer. I mean, I guess I could, but that, I don't want to do that. Um, so that's been the adventure right now, man. And we're kind of getting down to the nitty gritty. I think there's like three weeks today or a couple of days ago, three weeks. And we're just, you know, it's real crunch time. We're figuring out all the harmonies and all the, the group vocals and all kinds of new stuff that we've added. And it's been really fun. Uh, it's just, it's a little intimidating because we're going after Seven Year Witch and we're going... Before Naked Gypsy Queens, and on top of that, True Villains are opening the whole show, so it's like, 
Like, we got to be on our A game, boys. Like, we got to have everything together and sounding pearly. Like, I don't want to have a, you know, there's always mess ups, but I'm I'm trying to come in and I don't want it to sound like we ain't played in a year. You know, yeah. I want it to sound like we've been playing every day. For well, the you don't want to sound like you're a fucking Broadway band. Right. Yeah. And that's what we've been doing for the last yeah. year, man. And it's changed a lot of like just our headspace and kind of where we're at and how we're making decisions. And now that we're back into being creative and original, everything is just, it's like, Whoa, this is, this is reality. You know, we've been down there just being a jukebox and it's just changed everything about how we feel, you know? And now that we're getting back in, I feel like the excitement's coming back in and the inspiration's coming in and we're getting more excited and I can just feel the momentum increasing, you know? Mm hmm. Yeah, that's cool. I think uh, anytime you uh, you take a long period of absence from what you really love doing, you can come back to it with a renewed sense of uh, right. purpose. Yeah, uh, I agree, man. And I, I would say this whole year has been really hard for me. I will say in the band, it was kind of my idea to take a year off. I, I told the boys, like, we've played every venue in town. We've kind of done everything. What if we, we go and hide out in the Batcave until this album's done and then just come back as a brand new force and... We did, but man, going that long without playing original music and just playing fucking Sweet Home Alabama and Last Dance with Mary Jane all day, every day, just like does something to you, dude. Like, I guess if you're a Tom Petty fan or whatever, then that's awesome. But like, our music is just so different. So it's, it's, I felt like a different person. I felt like a lot of, honestly, the, a lot of the magic in my life and, and the things that make me the most excited day to day in my life faded man it's like i don't i don't even dress up for those shows i don't really care like i'll wear a damn you know t-shirt and jeans call it a day and i just i felt like a lot of my momentum kind of fell apart so now where i'm at is like finding myself again and getting back and i i'm realizing that me today is a, a different version of myself than the me that that started that album i mean it's been a whole year you know and i've other things have happened in my life socially and with friends and played in other bands and I've learned new things and it's just like I just feel like I'm a completely different person uh in some degrees to what I was before this whole little chapter started so it's been exciting uh it, it was pretty depressing a couple months ago but I've I got out of it and right now it just looks like everything's just moving up man well I know it was probably like a month and a half ago two months ago you were pretty down in the dumps yeah. Um, we were talking about it. You came over here one night and yeah. we were just, I showed you my upright and, yeah. uh, you were telling me kind of about the whole thing when you went and, uh, did the, uh, the hypnosis. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of fucked you up <laughs> and it put you in a weird headspace. Yeah. I, uh, I was a guinea pig for somebody training to learn hypnotherapy. And she did a really good job, and I, I have no complaints about her process. And I'm the only, I'm the third person she's ever she's ever done that to. And she did real good. And then right as soon as she pulled me up on this cloud, man, and was about to, I don't know what she was doing, walking me into a past life or, or whatever. I was very interested, and it was going well, and it, it felt great. And then the fucking the doorbell rang, and she tried to just proceed, and then. Somebody knocked on the door, and then the doorbell rang again, and I'm just sitting in the middle of, like, like I don't know what you really call it, somewhere between being awake and being asleep in some sort of meditative trance, and 
she had to go answer the door, dude. And I think like a demon just like jumped into my body and just made my next like two weeks terrible. Like I was, I didn't feel good. And it's, it's crazy that something like that can affect you that deeply. But it, it, it made me feel so negative that I was sick. I literally got like a, it felt like I had a fever, but I didn't have a fever. And then it felt like I had a cold, but I didn't have a cold. Literally my body was just responding to like this negative mindset and everywhere I looked, man, it was just like miserable and it's nice that that eroded away as this album is getting done as this show is getting booked as I'm finally getting back out into the scene and talking to everybody it just feels like all these black clouds are like moving out of my headspace and it's nice and it, it makes me um maybe turn on my defense mechanisms a little bit more to not let those clouds back in you know what I mean because I feel like I'm in a really good place right now and I'm happy and it's like it's only a matter of time before some fucking bullshit happens, and I'm right back to, man, life fucking blows and, you, and all that, you know. You mean like when someone comes over to your house and they then tell you that they have bed bugs and they didn't tell you beforehand? I got rid of the bed <laughs> I got rid of it. We went, we went to Detroit. I went on a Detroit run, and it was a very nasty hotel, and my, my bunk mate or whatever you want to call it, the guy sharing my room, he Eric, he played bass. He was like, dude, I got bed bugs. And I was like, oh, man, that sucks. And his showed up the next day. Mine showed up like two weeks later. I did my laundry like 10 times, bro. I bought a bed bug bomb, but I, I actually like, I never used it because I never needed to. Turns out they stayed in Detroit. They didn't follow me. And if they did, they're all dead. They're not having a good time. So we're all clean. Everybody's good. Yeah. You ain't got bites. You're good. No. But you did come over to the house without telling us. Well, it makes you stronger. What can I say? <laughs> Fair enough. I've never, I've never had that happen to me, so I didn't know like that there was an etiquette. I guess I it just, uh, it, it escaped me. Like, I guess that's my excuse. There's always an excuse. Yeah. Dustin, where would you rank the hierarchy of things? What is the best thing and what is the worst thing that you've ever had? You're talking about that thing? Right I'm there? talking about the thing, dude. <laughs> dude. You've probably hit them more than anybody, the widest variety, more I'm, than any of us. I'm upset at myself for even having an opinion. For, for, for even being able to form an answer, I'm disappointed in myself. Uh, but you have an answer. I don't like them big, complicated robot ones that with the screen on them and shit. Uh, yeah, that's, that's too much. That's pretty far, dude. I just like I, that I can get the woozies whenever I want, and it's just a little bit of happiness for a split second whenever I want it, which is terrible for us. We're all dying. The world is is a dark place, and we're over here just hitting that fucking thing, you know what I mean? Just every five seconds. Anytime you're like, wow, I could use some stimulation, you got it in your pocket. It's nice. I don't know if I have a favorite. I, don't, I definitely don't have a favorite flavor. I would say the best things are my buddies that I can hit that I don't have to pay for, being real. I'm saying it. I'm admitting it. Let me hit that one. Yeah. Can I hit that thing Let right me there? hit your thing, dude. I got a thing. I got a birthday thing. I quit, and then I bought one for my birthday just because I'm being pretty... Uh, yeah, you got the you got the lost Mary. This is like a, a fucking Dude, I like boy. those. They're big and chunky, and they feel good in my hands. You know what the, I mean? These are good ones, the lost Marys. I just had one of these. Um, I want to quit so bad, dude. Yeah, I did, dude. I fucking quit. You know what I mean? It's just everybody else always has a thing. It's so convenient, you know. It's a uh, 
It's a social thing. It's a relationship building activity to share uh, with your brothers. For 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 who? For you or for, for me? Every, for everybody else? For me, I feel like I'm closer <laughs> to my bros. You know what I mean? <laughs> when we're sharing that thing, passing it around. I do like hitting the thing, but I also hate it, dude. Well, I know I've told you this before, but I took a vocal lesson. Uh, I took a few vocal lessons, and he was real into. He called he called his curriculum vocal science, and I told him that I was hitting that thing all the time, and I was like, I need to quit, and he said quitting is actually worse for you than doing it and i was like what the fuck like what and he said that for the next 90 days after you quit your body has already developed a, a certain la layer of mucus to fight uh the harm that the smoke can do to you and the mucus has not yet adapted to the fact that you ain't hitting that thing anymore so the next 90 days after quitting actually mess your voice up and your throat up uh, even more, and you might want to fact check that, but that's what I was told by my vocal instructor. So the solution was just stop buying them. And when your buddy's got a thing, hit it every now and then, wean off slowly. And uh, if it's your birthday, maybe you can make an exception. You know. Uh huh. Exactly. Taylor always gets the same flavor. I like to that, mix it up. Okay, you know what? That is not that has not been true recently, and you know you it. switched it up. I he I, got a new the thing. The past and I couple was of like, times you've come man. over, I've had a different thing every single new time. New thing, who? New thing, who? This new thing, new me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, you're you're going through a life transformation, dude. You just bought a new flavor. What happened? Yeah, well, I, I, not only that, I I bought a new brand, dude. Wow. Uh, I, w I went back to the Elf Bar, though, but that's what they, they had today. I, I like those Raz Boys now. Those are pretty good, but I just want to quit, dude. Imagine being the guy that, like, invented these or sells them or, like, manufactures them, and, like, you're just killing everybody. <laughs> like, that's how you put the, the mashed potatoes on the dinner table, man, is well, you're just selling evil. We don't really know what the long-term effects yet are of well, it. Oh, we're going to find I, out. I assume it's not good, for Probably sure. Not. But is it worse than smoking? That's the question. Doesn't smell as bad. Doesn't smell as bad. Dude, I would have never hit this. I would have never started hitting the thing. You know who introduced me to the thing? Who? My old, old roommate. The one that shall not be named. Not uh, Millhouse. Uh, you know who I'm talking about. He's hitting that thing. He was hitting the thing. He told me, he was like, dude, hit, the, hit this thing. And I tried it, and that was back when they were just the, the jewel pods still. Yeah, that might have been all the way back Those in the fucking gross. cloverleaf days for Those you. Those were gross. That was when that 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 era was. I was like, man, those are so stupid. Those are dumb as hell. And then they started putting flavors to them. And I was like, oh, blue raspberry. And here we are hitting that fucking thing. Still, we've been hitting the thing for a couple of years now, dude. Well, if I die, just you know, use that as a uh, as a lesson for everybody. Maybe stop. Stop, Stop hitting, hitting that thing. All Stop the time. hitting your friends' things all the time. Yeah. yeah, buy your own things, or just don't. You know. Yeah. Or smoke weed. I don't smoke weed, dude. I don't know what to tell you. I don't either. Dude, I've been loving that fucking Mustang bass. Yeah, I like the short scales. I've got I've got that other short scale, that alternative bass that I got. I got a second one. And uh, is is that the white boy that you play down on Broadway? Yeah, right? it's the Tobias, and uh, it doesn't sound amazing, but it's just so fun to play, man. It's so small and like easy to get my fingers around. I feel like I can go faster and be more creative on it. Um, whereas Thunder Dragon sounds awesome, but sometimes it kind of weighs me down. 
by being, you know, not good for four scale. hour gigs. Yeah, no shit. It gets heavy too. I get about two hours in. This this guy starts hurting right here. Yeah, it's the same deal for me. Whenever I play my P bass, that was part of the reason why I got the Mustang. Like I don't know how f- frequently I'm going to keep playing on Broadway. I haven't done it in a minute. Yeah. But um, I wanted something at least lightweight to where if I started booking gigs, then um, I could I could play with it on there. I I've been thinking about honestly starting a little pedal board. But I've just always, I don't know the applications that I would use it in. You know what I mean? It's just weird for bass, man. It's really weird. I feel like a lot of those pedals, you get them, and then you have to find an excuse to use them. Yeah. But there's not a lot of points where it's like, I really need this distortion. I really need, it's just bass. It's just the low frequency. I feel like half the time you put a fuzz on a bass, it just sounds all crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But. I don't know. I'm excited to, uh, you know, we were doing Broadway like five times a week, probably one of the last times you had us on, and we're down to once a week, and then I freelance drums with whoever wants to hire me. I've been playing with John Tyler and uh, Wildflower, Tony and Scotty. Mm-hmm. That's been going going well. It's great, but I, I'm at a point now where I'm hoping by the end of the year I'll have uh, some some different sort of monetary stream to where I don't have to go down there, and it's really the parking and the traffic. And just the the Beckys and the Britneys and the Ashleys begging for some fucking Taylor Swift and Morgan Wallen, dude. Can't take it. Can't handle it. Dude, no disrespect to I don't Taylor think Morgan. Morgan Wallen would be as popular as he is now unless he got fucking canceled. I think that that helped. I've met the guy. I helped interview him one time. And... Uh, I, I personally, I mean, don't cancel me for saying this, but my experience with him in that 10 minutes was like, he was pretty well-spoken, and it kind of surprised me that a guy who would conduct himself like that, I mean, because we did a lot of interviews, and I felt like he did so well in the interview that it kind of took me back that he did the whole thing, you know what I mean, that uh, everybody knows about. It surprises me that a guy, the way that I perceived him would, would even get into some trouble like that. But, man, you just really never know. But I, 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 I think I agree. I think he had a lot of people coming to his rescue and leave him alone. Yeah. And that probably did help him a lot. Controversy, man. People people really dig it. Yeah. I mean, I, I prefer more like Tyler Childers or yeah. uh, Sturgill Simpson to some someone like Morgan Wallen. I mean, it's nothing personal against his music. I just... It really doesn't resonate with me. Yeah. And just listening to some of it, I I, I wasn't really into it, you know, because it's always on big country radio. Yeah, I, I think he's like the cutting edge of modern bro country. I think he is, his sound at least, I don't know if he's coming up with the ideas, but his producers or whoever he's working with or the team overall is, they're innovating bro country, which I, I don't like bro country, but I mean... I'm a different kind of artist and he's that kind of artist and the way he's doing it is he's he is innovating. He is creating new ideas and new thoughts and he's changing the game. And I mean, dude, put out a fucking 36 song album and I'm pretty sure all 36 songs made like top 100 country charts. So yeah. It's like, dude, I mean, I think it's really easy to complain about people, but I think so many people are worried about what should be versus what is, and I don't really know what to do about a situation like that where you can all say what you want, but the reality is is dude's doing very well. And I don't know. I don't plan on showing up with 
picket signs anytime soon. But I, I, I think everybody deserves to get what they deserve. And I think if somebody's putting evil into the world, evil should come back to them. And if they're putting good out into the world, good should put come back to them. So, you know, I don't really know what the dude's up to. That's not my world. But do you think Taylor Swift drinks baby's blood? I bet she's tried it. I bet she's tried she, it. She's, uh, she's taken a hit of adrenochrome before. Dude, would you? No, I wouldn't. Would you? It's easy to say no, but I've never been in that situation. You know what I mean? I feel like everyone's like, oh, I'm a good guy. I would never do that. But it's like. What if they made adrenochrome and it came in a yeah, thing, dude? I don't, I don't know if I'd be interested. <laughs> I, uh,. I don't plan on drinking baby blood. I think it's kind of gross sounding. And I feel like I already look youthful enough. I don't need it, to be honest. But I might be wrinkly someday. And I'm just like, you know, it'd be really nice some baby blood. What if the Illuminati hit you up, though, and they were like, yo, we have this e- ethically sourced baby's blood. And if you drink it, you could be part of the uh, the Illuminati with us. Would you do it? If it was ethically sourced. I don't, I just don't know, like, <laughs> like, I feel like everybody who you would ask this would want to be like, no, I would never do that. But it's like, okay, I don't know. I, I've never been anywhere near a situation where someone's like, you want some baby blood? <laughs> what is that? I'm canceled for sure after this one, but I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that I would do it. I hope that I wouldn't do it. I mean, shit, but that wouldn't put it past me. I mean, you've been around me several times. I do some fucking crazy shit you know yeah i would want to know who the baby was oh, do you think that would make it like no that wouldn't make it better they'd probably, it they'd probably add to the guilt yeah it would make it worse they give you like a name or something yeah i don't know how it works i don't know how the baby blood industry is working right now i'm not in contact with any of those people yet yeah yeah we're still at the bottom. we're know. still at the bottom rung of the entertainment yeah. business We'll see how we do at the East Side Bowl show. Maybe someone out there has got some connections. Give there. Danny a couple of years, he'll know a guy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you are the one. <laughs> oh, God, we're, we're done. Yeah. Uh, Career's it, over. It would be a no for the, the baby's blood for me, but, you know, I also try and be open-minded. I feel like they don't come to you and just be like, hey, man, what's up? My name's Roger. You want some baby blood? I think that there's a process. I think that they lead them down this slope, and and they get if this even happens hypothetically, if they would, I think that they get them down a path where by then drinking baby blood's probably kind of normal. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that once you're that far in, it's like Sprite. You know yeah, what I mean? Or yeah, like it's just or another Tuesday. I don't know, dude. I hope we don't get like tracked down by the FBI or something for this. You know? Did you uh? Did you ever follow the story of Isaac Cappy? Did you know who that was? I've heard that name. So he was an actor that was in L.A. Um, and basically, uh, he killed himself. Um, but there's a... Danny, can you look look uh, up Isaac Cappy and tell us a little bit about him? Yeah. Um, but yeah, Isaac Cappy, he was an actor. He was in L.A. He was basically saying that everybody was a fucking pedophile in Hollywood. And they're like a satanic fucking pedophile cult uh for the most part i guess mel gibson is making a movie about um the hollywood pedophiles he's making like a documentary you you heard about it yeah yeah 
I think all that stuff, uh, you know, from our perspective, we're just the little people, so we read about it on the internet. But I would say in my experience so far being in the music business, I have come to realize that it's a little bit less of this big conspiracy and more that, like, the more money is around, the more guns and illegal crazy shit is happening. And I feel like the world is just ran by people who are able to do what they want, and that completely changes their decisions from the ethics and morals that someone on our level would would look at, you know, not to justify it, but... I'm coming to realize that the higher that you get in the money ladder, the more danger, the more crime, the more evil. You know, they say money's the root of all evil, whatever. But it, it feels from where I'm at that the farther that I go, the more scummy, sleazy people that I'm running into and the more normal that it becomes to the point where when you start working with these people and you come up to them and say, well, this guy did something very unethical their response is, yes, yeah, so did everyone else that I work with on a daily basis. This is normal. And it's unfortunate because it's kind of, especially after working on Broadway and some of the bars that I've played at, it's like I'm so desensitized to scummy bar owners that operate by my way or the highway. And, you know, sometimes they they screw people over and, and they, they rob people. And, you know, I, I've, I've seen it a lot recently, as you guys know, uh, I, it just gotten to a point where people were like, oh, my God, I can't believe he did that. And I'm just like, bro, this is like this is a Friday night at Kid Rocks, bro. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like we're all people. People will go wild. And and I think it's easy to say the way that you think people should run their business. And, and it's easy to say the way that people should behave. But like I think everybody is acting accordingly to the factors in their life. And. A lot of these people, they might look like scumbags, but, you know, maybe at a certain point in time, they're under attack, and it's like, they learn that day, oh, I should go get a gun. And then later on, they maybe learn, like, oh, I should take my gun with me everywhere. And you don't see them until step 10, and you're like, who's this motherfucker with the gun being all crazy? And it's like, I don't really know what that dude's been through, so I, I'm it's not going It's like be Walter White and Heis becoming Heisenberg. Right, right, right. And it, it, I think that that situation of desperation calling for desperate measures is a lot more common with the people that, you know, the, the masses want to look at every millionaire and every business owner and all these people like, oh, you know, you're scum, you're scum. Kind of, but it's like, I don't really know what those people have had to go through to get where they're at. It's, it's very possible that they know something that I don't. They've seen something that I have not. And... It's really hard for me to look at someone who's doing well doing the thing that I wish I was doing and see them doing something that to me ethically and morally is like fucked up. But then it's like, okay, well, what if I'm wrong? You know what I mean? And and that maybe that's not a good a good way to look, but I think it's possible to to consider like what if our ethics and morals on the lower class are a little bit conditioned by what these people in power that operate entirely differently like, maybe they want us to have this specific moral code to keep us in this specific line. And, you know, maybe some of these people drinking baby blood, hell, I mean, I've never tried it. Maybe there's something fucking, you know, like, I, I'm i not in that world, man. So I, I'm personally disgusted by all the things that I hear. 
Um, but it sounds like something that's been going on for like years and hundreds of years and thousands of years. It sounds like something that has been happening undercover for way longer than, you know, than we've been able to find out from the internet. And I, I think things like this, and it sucks because I'm kind of a devil's advocate for some things, but it, it, it piques my curiosity to wonder how did these people get to, to this mind space where this is normal for them? Because in my in my life, I'm just trying to survive day to day. So like, I would never think to do or or anything in association with any of that stuff. So I I think to me when I look at people like this, I kind of look at them the way that people they love people look at these people and they're like, oh, that's disgusting, that's disgusting. Then they go home and they watch fucking Jeffrey Dahmer and Charles Manson on Netflix, and they and they watch series and movies about all these serial killers and these fucked up people. People are fascinated with with evil people. Well, isn't it a morbid curiosity though? I think that it's a morbid curiosity, but I don't think it it goes right back to what should be versus what is. I think everybody can agree that killing people is wrong, but the majority of those people are going to go home and turn their TVs on and watch like a two hour documentary on a guy who killed people. And that's what he's known for. And that's just a, a realistic prominent feature of our society and it's not something that i like but it's like i can either hate this and fight it or like you know adapt to the fucking world we live in and just figure out like man like people are dark people are crazy people are aggressive people are fucked up i would rather be prepared for that and be able to understand what the fuck's going on than be the guy who is complaining about it um because i feel like at the end of the day if we're gonna have a solution to any of those problems you're not gonna find it complaining and standing outside with picket signs like you're gonna have to somehow become acquainted with the the source of it all and the nature of it all and you're gonna have to understand it to to find a real solution and i mean that's just how i see it i don't i and i think that that's not just with baby blood dude i think that that's like if you're having a fight with your girlfriend if you're having a fight with your boss or there's something going on in the music world like every little thing every little conflict that you get into I think it's more important to understand why the conflict's happening on both sides before making this judgment call and before just walking away saying, well, I'm the good guy, they're the bad guy, that's the fucking end of it. I feel like you're always going to have a better time if you can at least try to understand why your opponent or your enemy is your opponent and your enemy and what what's going on in their mind to make them think they need to be against you. And I feel like if you can figure that out, you can probably tap into a much stronger solution that will bypass all of the surface level solutions that aren't actually solving the problem. For me, it's more about solving the fucking problem by its root and pulling it out of the ground rather than just cutting it to where it can grow back later. You know what I mean? Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Well, it makes me think of uh, of the Clintons, dude. Like everybody, they talk shit about the Clintons, rightfully so. But... Uh, even back when Bill Clinton was the fucking governor of Arkansas, there was fuck shit happening then. Like, they were allegedly running drugs and right. killing people and all of that shit. Even before anything, before they were in the White House. And yeah. if that's what their path was, you gotta think to the White House, and what, what were they up to? What's the what, White House up to? Yeah. What's the whole fucking thing up to? How did that happen? You know what I mean? Uh, the fact that that happened is you can sit here and be like, oh, well, they're this and they're that. But it's like, 
It's like the fucking episode of Dave when Brad Pitt was like, this is our reality now. Do you understand? It's like, <laughs> this is real, bro. Like, this is what the fuck it is. So you can complain or you can figure the fuck out. Like, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to handle it? And I just feel like complaining about how someone's wrong or someone's evil or someone's bad. You're not exactly finding a solution. You're just like speaking about problems and sort of stressing yourself out and, and just bringing more darkness into the world. And I think what everyone really wants when they're solving problems is to alleviate the darkness, man, and like get it out. How are you going to fight darkness with darkness, dude? You it, That doesn't work. You have to you have to come to peace if you really want a solution. And I feel like if you're not willing to come to peace, it sounds like you don't want a solution. It sounds like you just want problems and you're enjoying the drama. Um, else, you know, either step away from it or or grab it by the fucking balls and do something about it. And I think most people won't do either one of those things. They'll go on Facebook and write a fucking story about it. And it's just like, you know, are you... Before you add this... This negativity out of your mouth, is there something better that you could do? Like, is there a way that you could solve this fucking issue, like, the right way to where we won't have more of the issue later on? Can we just, can we just crush it forever and just get it the fuck out and, and make a friend out of our enemy? Make an ally, you know what I mean? Vikings, bro. Danny knows. So you're saying Soldier Boy is not the villain of the boys? We're back to that. I mean, dude, every villain ever has a story. Every, those motherfuckers have a mom and a dad. They got to eat food. They got to breathe air. Well, technically, Homelander doesn't, right? I just think every guy that you can look at in history and be like, fuck that guy, that guy probably thinks he did the right thing. I don't think anybody wakes up and says, how can I do the worst thing possible? How do I, how do I make the worst decision that I can and make everyone hate me? I don't think anyone does that. I think everyone that we look at and we're like, fuck that guy, fuck that guy, that dude probably, yeah, did some despicable shit, but he probably thought out of all of the decisions he could make in that moment, that was the one that made the most sense. Yeah, he was wrong, but, like, I don't know what led dude to make those decisions. So I'm not going to be the one that's like, oh, he should have did this, he should have did that, he should be like this. So, and, and that's what I love about that that show, as you bring it up, is they introduce these villains, and they make you hate them, and then they bring their origin story, and you're like, oh, fuck, he's not, uh, he's not evil, he's damaged, and like fucking traumatized, and he's acting off of that, and the world perceives him as such because they don't know the shit he's been through, and I feel like we all, we all feel like that sometimes, you know what I mean, like, we have a bad day, and we're a fucking dick, and people are like, what's up with that guy? He's an asshole, and it's like, no, dude, like, his fucking dad died, or like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, people are going through shit, man, and, and that brings the worst out of people, and I feel like it's it's easiest, and this is going to lead me into a rabbit hole where we talk about Mormonism, I just know it, but it's easiest to just see, see it for what it is as a principle before you see it as a person. You're never arguing with a person, you're arguing with a principle. We're never at war with people, we're at war with ideas. And the whole thing is just an illusion. And, the, you know, the Mormon thing. And uh, the Mormons, instead of knocking on my door, man, they hit me up on Facebook. And uh, they ask me how I'm doing and, and how my life is going. And I answer, and I talk to them, and I get a real kick out of it. And, uh, 
they told me to download the book and read the Book of Mormon. And I was like, where do I start? You know what I mean? I'll fuck, I'll fuck around. And uh, I read this chapter that it said that the devil basically makes his nest in, in contention. And do with that what you will. But I think what it's saying is the moment conflict arises, evil is in the room. The moment that everybody can't be peaceful and everybody's yelling and screaming at each other, whatever their cause may be, whoever's right or wrong, that conflict and that that division is the nature of self-destruction. And I think that ever since I read that, I'm, I'm not about to be like a Mormon, you know what I mean? But like that shit hit me to the point where if I'm just sitting in a room with people and everybody's chilling and somebody makes a point and the, their tone was kind of shitty or like... I just see him kind of hitting jabs a little bit. It's like, that's what the devil is, bro. Like, you don't have to believe in, like, a little man fucking red skin and horns and a pitchfork. It's like, that's the spirit of evil happening in your life right now. We, we should all be chilling, discussing this diplomatically and maturely. And the, the dude who can't do that and starts yelling and starts saying, well, you did this and starts pointing his finger, you know, that's the adversary. That's the blame game. And I feel like that is, that person is currently being possessed by, you know, the nature of evil. And I, what that's done for me, man, is just, it's helped me so much to find solutions because as soon as everybody starts babbling, as soon as everybody starts getting angry and mad and getting loud with each other, it's like, I can just see immediately, like, this is, everybody's wrong. All these people are wrong. Like, the truth is not on either side of this war, the truth probably happened yesterday, and everybody's been fighting over some other shit that's not even important, everybody's confused, and it just really helps me immediately find the real issue, and ignore the distractions when you're, when you're arguing or debating with somebody, you know what I mean, and, and they start making it immature, and they start making it egotistical, you can, you can see when somebody's wavering away from the reality of the source of the conflict and just being a fucking dick. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that, it's helped me a lot, man. And, and it's it's changed the way that I look at things. And when someone does that, I immediately am able to just look at what they're saying. And it's not that that person's a bad person. It's where their mind's at right now has been metaphorically possessed. I mean, in the same way that that hypnotherapy session did they got something in them that's making them be fucking evil and it, it makes me not take them as serious. You know what I mean? I just feel like you can always keep your cool. Well, and the moment me, you can't keep your cool, you're you're wrong. Let me ask you this, Dustin. What isn't isn't that part of the human story though? That that exists yes. in every single yeah. one of us. And and we're all fucking up. It doesn't it doesn't make it not wrong. We're just wrong as people. I mean, we're talking about religion here, and we're talking about Mormonism as a branch of Christianity, which one of Christianity's biggest themes is every human is born as a dirty little sinner. You know what I mean? We're all fucking demons running around. I mean... Well, some sects of Christianity. Okay, that's fair. Uh, but I... I I identify with that philosophy. I think every single human is a genius and every single human in their own right is also kind of a piece of shit somehow. And it just, you got to hang out with them for long enough to see both sides. But I think everyone's got both sides and we're still wrong. It is part, it is natural. You're right. It is part of it. Being wrong is 
part of it. It's wrong. You know what I mean? Like, we take most of our money into taxes, throw it into nuclear war. That's the truth. It's not smart. It's wrong. It's stupid. But, like, that's what it is. That's what we're doing. And it goes right back to what you said. Like, yeah, it's natural. It's part of the human story. But humans are fucking stupid as hell, you know? We're also genius. We went to the we went to the moon. We invented the fucking computer. Allegedly. Allegedly. You know, we got rocket ships and shit. Fucking NASCAR. We got all these crazy contraptions. And we all got this futuristic. Yeah, dude, we got goddamn things. We got fucking... Grubhub delivery service. We got people hunting for us, doing all the work for us. Like, we're very advanced, but we're just fucking stupid as hell, dude. I mean, everybody. Like, I don't know anybody who isn't kind of genius and isn't also dumb as fuck sometimes. Everybody's doing it. We're all guilty. I'm dumb as hell. It's fine. I'm pretty smart, too. It's fine. But I think that's another thing that when you understand that every single person is kind of a genius and kind of a fucking dumbass. It helps everything make so much more sense. Well, we all have our strengths and weaknesses. Exactly. And people identify when when they're watching someone else live out their weaknesses, it's very easy to be like, well, that dude's a fucking idiot. But it's like, no, you know, a fish can't climb a tree, but it can swim like a motherfucker. You know what I mean? So it's like maybe this dude's a genius and can change the world in, in this world over here. But like you're watching. I mean, dude, I can't fucking sweep a floor. I'm an idiot. Like I can't dust. You can't I make can't coffee. Do, like, you can't. You can't work. I can't even make fucking coffee, dude. I just found out last week, bro. Coffee is just water and beans. I thought there was some shit to it. I thought like that machine was doing something. I, it's tea. It's fucking mixed up tea. What? What's the whole? What's the filter? What the fuck? Why? Why do we do that? Okay, so Dustin, it's you take. So there's many different methods for making coffee. Um. The most common method, I would say this is the most common, is is grinding the beans down, and then you put the hot water in there. The hot water goes through it, and it filters it. That's why you have that filter, like the white filter. Yeah. That is so it can pass through, and you don't get any of the coffee grounds. See, perfect example. I feel like you're speaking goddamn Chinese right now, and I don't understand anything you're talking about. And I know it's simple, but there it is. There, There's the fucking, there's the proof, you know. I, I feel like I'm smart at some things, and I can't sweep a floor. Well, is it that you can't sleep a f- floor, or do you not want to sleep a floor? I've tried to sweep the floor, and and I, I, I fucking hang the broom up. I'm like, I did it, bro. It's a spotless floor. And then they go look at it, and they're like, you're a fucking piece of shit, dude. The floor looks terrible. So it's like, I don't know, man. I'm just not good at some people's stuff. It, it probably is a lack of interest. But I feel like if someone... And this has happened. I used to work at fucking Gambino's back in Kokomo. What up, Rodney, Aaron, the whole squad? Uh, dude, they'd want me to they'd want me to sweep the floor, and they literally like, dude, you're dumb as shit. And I'm just like, I mean, we're all making six bucks an hour right now. I don't think you're <laughs> you should be talking. But I, it was just like they saw me at my worst and just assumed like this guy's an idiot. But it's like, look at me in my zone. It's like a lot of people are like, you're good at what you do. And then I'm not good at what I don't do. A and fish I just can't feel climb like a everybody tree. belongs in that category. Yeah. What was your uh, your first job out of high school? Was it Gambino's? My very first job ever was in high school, and I worked for my mother's husband's uncle. 
and and they're not my mom's not with him anymore but at the time i guess his ex-husband his uncle was an engineer who built his own house and had all sorts of projects man i would go over they'd pay me minimum wage and i would uh I'd take care of their dog. I'd help them build. I'd help do drywall. I would help do landscape. I would help, like, mow the yard. And, dude, I mean, that guy even knew. I'm a fucking idiot, dude. I could tell. He was so nice to me and cool. But I could tell that he just thought I was a girly little bitch, dude. He just, I, I'm not a man's man, you know. I mean, I was only 17. But then after that, I graduated and I worked at Subway. Sandwich artist. One of the best. Eat fresh. One of the fucking best sandwich artists Subway's ever seen, swear to God. How many uh, subways were there in Kokomo? Eight. Were there really eight subways? I've I've talked about this before. There was eight subways if you count Greentown and Rucherville. So in the Kokomo area. Subway is the largest franchise in the world, restaurant-wise. It's bigger than McDonald's. I heard they were closing locations, though. They closed the one up the street. Which one? The one on Nolensville Pike next Uh, to the Kroger. Oh, shit. That used to be a subway right there. Oh, shit. There's still one in inside Walmart. Yeah. At one point, my hometown, we had, no no joke, like five Dunkin' Donuts. I don't know about the source of Subway's food, but I will say working there, it is fresh. The way that they treat their food and their ingredients is, uh, I wasn't scared of it. Some of the meat comes packaged, and it's like, I don't know where this came from and, and, and how that was all sorted out. But my experience was it was, I mean... I think we've all heard about fast food. I think at the end of the day, the quicker the food is, the more you should probably be a little suspect of it, you know? So, How do you rank fast food burgers? What's your favorite fast food burger? What did I have the other day? Dude, honestly, fucking DQ, bro. DQ, I recently found out their cheeseburgers are pretty pretty nuts. Um, I just had, oh, I had a Sonic cheeseburger. It was all right. I don't know. They're kind of all the same, dude. They all make you feel like shit. But they're good for like five seconds, you know what I mean? I'd say fast food burgers don't deserve the reward of who's the best anyways. I like Chick-fil-A. Well, what about... More of a chicken sandwich kind of connoisseur. What about like five guys and shit like that? See, I wouldn't put... I would put like five guys on like tier two. You know what I mean? Like McDonald's, Taco Bell, Burger King. Five guys is like... Step up. There's a little class, a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, I mean a Five Guys burger that's great, but it, I, that's not you waste. like those fancy burgers. I do, dude. I like weird shit. I try. I I like trying something new everywhere I go. New flavor thing every time I get one. You know what I mean? I just I just like being open and I mean it's food. It's everything. I just like hearing other people's perspective, learning about. I'm trying to go to fucking Israel with Danny. Let me know. I got my passport coming, dude. One way ticket, bro. So I pay for the other half? No, no. I my whole trip is So covered. you got a one way ticket. No, I'll get you a one way ticket. Right. So if you get me a one way ticket You have to get a ticket. I gotta back. get a di- that's fine. That's fair. That's awesome. I'm fucking down, <laughs> dude. Honestly, you should make it uh, a documentary when you guys go to Israel. Yeah. It should be the two of you in Israel and and the journey you go on. There'd be two different sources of footage. There would be Danny unleashing and and channeling his his best Jew self and learning his ways of his bloodline. And then it would be me just having a ball, trying food and learning about the music and asking all these questions. You know what I mean? Yeah. Be two completely different stories. Be nice. Let's do it. All direct, dude. And fucking all the chicks I might marry. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Josh, Dustin will find a nice, uh, nice Jewish girl in Israel. Dude, I've been telling him for years that that's what he needs. I'm gay. <laughs> there it is. So, Dustin, um, when do you guys think you're going to release this album? Yeah, to be honest, man, where I've kind of come is uh, I'm I'm tired of the DIY. I'm tired of the independent. It's fun. It's real art. But uh, I'm tired of releasing my music on fucking Facebook and Instagram and uh, being at the same level as anyone else who simply just wants to put out a song. I think that the music industry has a lot of depth to it and... We're kind of shopping our stuff around right now and just seeing what kind of assistance we can get with distribution and marketing and packaging, maybe some merchandising, some um, booking. And, and we're going to weigh that out and just see who wants to work with us, what their favorite songs are, how they want to do it. I think right now our plan is to release like at least three singles before the year is over and drop the album next year at the beginning of the year um, just because... Releasing an album at the end of the year has statistically proven to uh, not exactly be the best decision. Really? Why? It's called Fourth Quarter. Uh, it's mainly because of all the holidays. Because Thanksgiving is when everyone goes home with their family. Christmas is when everyone goes home with their family. It's snowing. Uh, and it's also the end of the year. So if you're calculating something like the Grammys or like these... these yearly award ceremonies that are like oh best album of the year it's gonna be really hard for an album that came out in like fucking november to be album of the year when it's only been out for like a month versus another album sure. that's been out since january or february so from what i've been learning is it's more of a correct decision to to get your album out and get all your business done before the winter, and then once the winter season comes, that's booking season. That's when you start setting up for the next year. And obviously everyone has their own path. I've just I've heard that so many times that it seems like the most sensible, logical thing, um, unless you have resources to do otherwise. I mean, if you're putting out a fucking Christmas album, you know, duh. It's different. Yeah. With Black Keys, they released El Camino in December. Yeah, like I said. Black Keys are dope. That was one of their most like commercial popular albums. Yeah. So there's no you know, there's no rigid rule that says you have to do it. It just uh, Black Keys were at the top of their fucking game, game yeah. You know, and For we're sure. we've we haven't even played a fucking show in a year, you yeah. know. So for us, we I want to gain a lot of momentum, and I I don't I just I'm tired of releasing things into the void hoping that the algorithm will give a fuck. Um, you know, you're just competing against every, it, it, it used to be a musician is competing against other mus musicians. And now because of social media and Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and the way that art as a medium has this outlet now is musicians are, are equivalent to sports announcers, are equivalent to podcasts, are equivalent to, you know, fashion models. It's all on the same platform for the most part. I mean, there's obviously Spotify, but people typically get to the Spotify from something that they saw online. And we're all just saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. And a, a lot of it is just fucking selfies. And this is how my weekend went. I just went on vacation. And that is technically now your 
competition in the stratosphere of media being released every single day. It's like you're putting out an album while there's a million fucking posts just in your city and you're up against all that now. So I think that we're at a point right now where we're just ready to work with some people who can get us immediate distribution connections and take us to that next level. And it's, it's not like we're, I'm giving away our secrets. I, I, I do think that there is a step in building your band and sucking for a while and being DIY and just releasing music to your community and whoever gives a shit about you on the internet. But I think once you reach a certain point, um, it's actually important to find a team like that or some management or some form of assistance that can be a team so you can just focus on the creative side. And we're just getting so busy that that's what I want to do. I want to focus on the music. I want to focus on the creativity. And uh, I love having my hands in the business end, but ultimately it's it's been great. You know, we hired Steve Knapp. He's our manager. And he's just taken so much of the weight off of our shoulders that it's like we're having band meetings talking about way less business and a lot more music. And at the end of the day, that's what's going to make our product better by focusing on the quality of the art itself rather than, well, how are we going to post this? And, and, and how are we going to handle the algorithm here? And what's the price for this going to be? And all that. It's like, you have a guy handling all that and you can just focus on the art. Just a lot less stress. And it, it makes me feel, I, I feel like I went down that road, that, that depression road we were talking about earlier because I was spending so much time as a music businessman. I wasn't playing music. I wasn't practicing. I wasn't jamming. I wasn't performing. I was talking about performing and I was sending emails about performing and I was sitting in studios talking about the music and not playing it. And I was just doing so much computer behind the scenes suit and tie bullshit. That's like, I got to the point where it was like, do I even play music? Like, am I even a fucking musician or am I just like sitting here playing dolls with fucking emails? You know what I mean? Like, am I just a kid playing with my toys right now or do I love music? And it was, it was a weird thing, dude, because I was going days and days where it's like, I don't even pick the guitar up, dude. I'm just going into the studio, editing mixes and like doing shit like that. And I, I really got away from like the most important part about all of it. You know what I mean? Taking it back to the basics. You're right. And what's the source? It's like art was art. Music was music. It did really well probably a couple thousand years ago. And then someone made some money, and then a bunch of money people were like, oh, we can make money off of that, Danny. And uh, you know what I'm talking about. But uh, people... Was that anti-Semitism, dude? No, no. <laughs> I thought that was kind Danny's of anti-Semitic. It's observant. Uh, it's observant. <laughs> but there, I, I think I, I kind of call it like the vulture theory, man. And there's a primary and a secondary. I think primary is someone goes out and they're really good at music and they make money. Secondary is all these people that go, wow, I could make a lot of money and I could get really famous if I play music. Versus the primary who's just like, I love music. I want to get really good at this. And then the money comes. And I think as time moves on, every new market that's created eventually has the vultures come into the secondary. It's not even just music, dude. I feel like that same instance exists in government. It exists in the education system. It exists in the, the medicinal system and pharmaceuticals. It's everywhere. Someone creates this thing, then it makes money. Then people who care about money want to create a similar thing to compete with it. Not because they liked doing that thing, but because it makes them more powerful. 
And our world is just filled with that right now. And it's just gotten to the point where I want to be the primary, but the secondary people have taken so much control because they have so much power because they're focused on the money, they're focused on the power, whereas the artists are over here focused on the art. That it's like if you want to survive and you want your music to go out into the world, you know, and connect with the earth, like you're going to have to work with some of these people that really don't give a fuck about music. They want your shit to succeed. And at the end of the day, I feel like if you can compromise with those people, them being that way about it uh, will only make you stronger. It'll only make your music more listenable. You know, you sit here and listen to a producer who's like, you know, it's not catchy enough. There's no hook. You're not going to make money off this song. What he's really saying is you're going to have less people that want to listen to your song, man. And that... I don't think there's anything evil about it. I think that that's ego trying to say like, oh, producers want to control everything. Producers work with artists every day. They see how successful certain songs do and how successful certain songs don't become. And they're just trying to relay that information. And I think that's really hard for people to soak in sometimes. So working with some of these people, as much as I hate it, it's like this can help me. And this is that's kind of where I'm at in my career is like I want to reach out to some of these people who – you know, don't necessarily give a fuck about me or music or doing the right thing, but what is going to make them the most successful? I feel like that's a really educational thing for me that it just fascinates me. It scares me a little bit. It annoys me a little bit. I've already I've already had to deal with it a little bit. Um, and, and, and throughout all the stress, I feel like I was able to just soak in as much of, this is your reality now. Do you understand? You know what I mean? Like, this is what it is. This is life. And I can complain or I can fucking hop on ship and, and go to war, you know. And that's what I want to do. And and people want to go to war and then they see the gruesome fucking, the blood and they see the weapons and they're like, well, that's evil. And it's like, well, then you don't want to go to war. You know what I mean? So I'm just trying to prepare myself for, for whatever may come. And I'm just hoping I ain't got to drink a, a baby blood or like fight a baby or anything. You know what I mean? Where can people find you at, Dustin? How can they Internet. find you? Yeah. I'm everywhere. Spotify, Instagram. The, the reveal. reveal. Brother Dusty is who I am, but uh, the reveal is what we're here for today. And uh, check out the East Side Bowl, uh, July 28th, True Villains, Seven Year Witch, Naked Gypsy Queens, The Boys. Very intimidated by the lineup. I'm excited. So. You can, uh, we don't have any new stuff online, but you can find the old stuff. You can support us or whatever. We just launched a new website, therevealmusic.com. We got some new merch on there. So you can buy a shot glass with my face on it if you want. Dusty, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Keep on dreaming. See you next week.